0: So for this morning of keeping that picture, arise and shine up for this, a good portion of this year, that's the word we felt for this year that we are, we as a church are called to arise and shine. And, um, I feel like that shining is going to get brighter and brighter. It's not a carrot out there that we need to attain. It's something that we're growing in. It's a glory to glory kingdom that we're part of. And so it's not only brighter because we've got a new screen, um, it's brighter because we are actually getting more bright as we start to shine so um i'm going to be picking up on that this morning um and for us to arise and shine friends we need to be in a place where we actually are not trodden down where we actually can shine and so this morning i'm going to be talking i'm going to be sharing the good news gospel is what i'm going to be doing but um just asking this question am i a sinner or a saint because if you still believe that you are a sinner bogged down by that you're going to be distracted with that so um you know you might be asking why am i asking that kind of a question is that not something that's just elementary doctrine like for you maybe that that question is simple and it's an easy it's an easy answer but for some it's not you know we've been Um, We've been surrounded by a couple of people from different churches where they're frustrated with what's being preached in the churches because it's just sin management. They say, like, they just preach sin management week after week. Obviously, those preaching are still so bogged down by sin that that's all they can preach into. And um, I'm just amazed at how many people still um, struggle with this and convinced that they are still sinners. See, the friends, the, the thing is, is that we're shadowboxing as the church with something that's been dealt with completely on the cross. We're called to be preaching the good news, bringing life to people. Like I said earlier, it's a glory-to-glory glory kingdom that we are part of. We are here to bring life, light, not be bogged down with sin management in our lives. So, I'm a visual person, okay? So, uh, and this is how I think. So, I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey. So, I've drawn a timeline on the screen. I hope you can see it if you're in the back, if it's clear enough. But, I've basically, that's a timeline where sin entered the world on the far left, um, and then uh, over here, where sin came in, and then where sin was dealt with by Jesus. Okay, so what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to be putting up scriptures and thoughts, but I'm going to be allocating them to either side of that line. Okay, so if you see a scripture coming up in sort of this section, so I've jumped ahead. Uh, in this section here, you will see that, that I'm referring to that pre the cross. If I put scriptures on and uh, descriptions of your new identity, it's going to be to the right of the cross and it'll be highlighted in a different color. So The question today is, are you a sinner or are you a saint? I really want you to ask yourself that question. Um, Now, when I say saint, I want to be clear. The the Greek word for the word saint is uh, hagios, which means holy, sacred, set apart, and consecrated. So whenever I use the word saint today, I want you to think holy, Have you been made completely holy? Is that good? So are you a sinner or a saint? Or maybe you see it like this. Maybe you see it that you're a sinner, and then after the cross you're still a sinner, but not quite as bad a sinner, because now you are going to heaven because you accepted Jesus. But you're still a sinner, but I'm not quite as bad, but I know that I'm going to heaven but I still, the sin thing is a big deal for me. Um, Or, and then one day after the second coming, then I'm going to be made completely saintly, holy. I'll be holy after Jesus comes. Maybe you have that opinion. Or maybe you are a stand in the middle there where you say, well, no, I'm I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. So I want to ask you, where do you stand between those three? sinner or saint I'm not such a bad sinner but I'll become a saint fully when Jesus comes again or I'm a sinner saved by grace so what I want to do is I want to read you an article um, that I came across uh, just yesterday actually and oh, let me just change before I do that I want to put onto the next slide Early on in my Christian life, I heard an illustration about how to grow. Inside you, the story goes, live a white dog and a black dog. The white dog is truth, grace, love, beauty, everything good and positive. The black dog is hatred, selfishness, pride, everything evil and destructive. Every day these dogs fight for dominance inside of you. Which one you feeds wins. The message was, "Don't feed the black dog." Later, I learned that the story isn't actually a Christian of Christian origin. It supposedly has roots in a Native American tradition. Later still, as my theology became clearer, I realized it doesn't even illustrate a Christian truth. The fundamental premise or is wrong. As the story goes, a Christian has two natures, constantly warring within: a fallen, sinful old nature and a regenerate, holy, new nature. It's a view you may have heard before, perhaps you even uh, believe it now. This notion is so common, it has actually made its way into a couple of very popular English translations of the Bible. How confusing is it to read sinful nature over and over again in Romans 7-8, Galatians 5, 2 Peter 2, and a few other places? Confusing? And misleading since the greek word standing behind sinful nature is actually flesh which has entirely different theological implications the flesh as it um, as it's used in these places refer to a realm and a life or a sphere of existence not a personal nature living inside of you christians live now in a period where we are citizens of the new realm but we still feel the pull of the old. Flesh versus spirit. The point when biblical writers refer to following the flesh is that we still have the option to live under the influence of the old realm. It is not that we are battling an evil nature still resident within us. No, a Christian truly is a new creation. But we are still tempted to give into the power source of the old realm. Gospel growth, then, is not changing who you are, rather, it's becoming who you now are in Christ. So, friends, the big declaration this morning is you are no longer a sinner. You're not even a sinner saved by grace. Okay, now I know I'm dropping bombs here, um, but I want you to track with me. I really ask that you track with me because I know this may be upsetting. It was upsetting to me when I still believe that um, because you might still be wrestling in such a pit of sin that it's actually, it's defined who you are. You like It's actually, to hear those words, it's like, no, it's what I've always believed. Maybe you are of the white dog, black dog understanding, and it's what you've always believed. And so it is upsetting. And so I want to just ask you this this morning, if you can go with me on a journey, and I ask you for a moment, just for a moment, that you help me go on a journey with you of letting go so let me start that again just for a moment, just stop, OK. And in that moment, stop defending how big of a sinner that you are, because we like to hold on to that. Stop defending that space. Open your hearts and go on a journey with me through the scriptures. I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey. But if we stand here like this of something that we don't agree with or whatever, we can shut down. I'm saying let's open up our hearts. Let's say, Jesus, you show us. Let's go on a journey through the scriptures and we take it from there. And then you make your your mind up. Friends, because A sinner saved by grace. It sounds so right. It sounds right. I used to say that. Okay. But it's subtle in its implications that are actually dramatic. Okay. And um, the problem with that is that I'm still defining myself as a sinner. And if that's my identity as a sinner, that's the place that I live out from. So I think a better way to put it would be I was a sinner and then I was saved by His grace. You were a sinner, but now because of your faith in the blood of Jesus and what He has done for you, you have been made holy and righteous a saint. Hebrews 10 verse 10 says, And in accordance with this will of God, this is an Amplified, we have been made holy, consecrated and sanctified through the offering made once for all of the body of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And so my goal today is to stop is to help you stop believing you're a sinner. Because if you believe that you are a sinner, what happens it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay, but rather I want to set you free in the truth that you are free of sin. And that that would be a self-fulfilling prophecy, living from a place of righteousness. Righteousness will exude from you. That you would live in freedom and righteousness in line with the very beautiful new creation nature that Jesus has purchased for you. Friends, you have a new identity. And so I want to take you on a journey of this timeline from sinner through to saint. So let me be clear with what I am saying and what I'm not saying, okay? What I am saying, well, you might ask the question, can a Christian sin? The answer is yes, you can sin as a Christian. Does a Christian have a sinful nature? Emphatically, no. You don't have a sinful nature if you've accepted Jesus. Now you might say, that's like at first, that's confusing. That's like semantics. It's word game. I'm not a sinner, but I can sin. And it's like, And so that's why we need to go on this journey and bring clarity to this. Reason being, it's not subtle. It's fundamental. It's the crux of the gospel. Um, Now track with me here. Friends, Jesus didn't come so that your sin could be forgiven. Ish. I can feel the clenching in the room. Am I going into heresy? Jesus didn't come so that your sin could be forgiven. Why do I say that? In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, your sin could be forgiven. You had to bring a sacrifice, bring it to the temple, spill blood, and then your sins were forgiven. So, Jesus' ultimate coming wasn't so that you could be forgiven of your sin. His coming was to completely destroy sin and its power over you in entirety, so that you didn't have to keep coming on, bringing sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, so that you could be forgiven, you think it's similar, but it's not. It works its way through all of your thinking, what you believe in your deep inside. if I've got a this black dog, this black evil thing inside of me that I have to keep wrestling down, it influences your entire walk as, as a Christian life. That's why I say it's the crux of the gospel that we need to get this and digest it. you see. Friends, God cannot have any part of sin. He cannot partake in sin, not like 1%, not comma 5%. That means if you want to have a part of Him, you can have absolutely no sin. It's the only way that you can be part of Him. And in John we read that you have been made one with the Father, Son, and Spirit. So how? How have you been made one with Father, Son, and Spirit, Paul in Romans seven says, "Like ah, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death?" Now you say, "You see, even Paul had this, this this thing that was inside of him that he was wrestling with." But friends, he's not writing about himself in the present in his new nature. Go read Romans 7 again through a different lens. In the very beginning of Romans, in Romans 7 verse 9, Paul says, I once was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. Is he talking about himself here? He can't be. He wasn't alive before the law. Okay, he's talking about old nature man. He's describing humans' journey a, a, mankind's journey through the process of salvation. So if you go, to, everyone always reads that, and they're like, oh, you see, look at Paul that battles with. I'm no different to Paul. But he's actually not talking about himself. He's talking about the process that we go through. Um, but then he shouts that out, and then he shouts, he, from that he answers the question. In the very next verse, it says, "How? thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how we get delivered. And that's how we were delivered from that body of sin and death. So how have you been made one with Father, Son, and Spirit in your beliefs as you sit here this morning? Because, friend, if there's there's even comma 1% of sin in you, you cannot be made one with the Father. You cannot be seated in heavenly places with Him if you've still got sin. Yet somehow, we've drunk the devil's Kool-Aid, and we're still wrestling in this place, pre the cross, thinking that we are these wretched men and women, that we have to get over this thing, and like we think we're going to be able to do it in our own strength. Yes, we call on God for His help, but it's, it's just like it was pre the cross. Jesus had to destroy sin. It's power over us, it's legal claim over us. He had to give us a brand new nature. Otherwise, it was just like we were before the, before the cross. Romans 6 says that you died to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin. It's like if you are married and your spouse passes away. And then you get remarried. If your spouse was still there, it's a bit of a problem if you just try and get remarried while your spouse is still there, but your spouse has passed away. It's no longer, that connection is no longer there. You're completely free to marry because he has passed away. So I want to talk into two things this morning. One, that you have died to sin. And two, that sin cannot be held against you. Ish, I I feel the clenching in the room again. But go with me. Friends, you were co-crucified with Jesus, you were co-buried with him. You're, in some way, we don't know, it's, it's this mystical thing of it says you were crucified with him, you were buried with him. And then what does it say? That old man remains in that grave and you are raised up into new life. You are raised, you are a brand new creation, the word talks about. Not, a, not an improved version, a brand new creation, seated with the Father in heavenly places, without sin. Okay, so we have died to sin. I'll come back to the second one just now. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We get a resurrection like His. That's quite mind-boggling. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. He's not going to die again for your sins, friends. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also, in that same way, the way He died to it and now He lives a life to God, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, so let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, Because that's what they are. They are now righteous. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Friends, then sin cannot be held against you. It says in in Romans 5, Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. for all sin sorry, for sin indeed was in the world, before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. There's a couple of like very profound, cutting, changing views that I had to have by going into this. So basically what it's saying is that over here, um, where sin came in. Okay, Adam sinned. Every single person is born with sin. If you say that you have no sin you are a liar. Okay? You're born into sin. but from Adam to Moses, there was sin. Uh, sorry not there was sin, there was sin, and what, what comes along with, with sin? death. The wages of sin uh, of, sorry, the wages of sin are death, okay? But there was no accountability. It's quite, it's quite profound, okay? There was no accountability. It says in uh, Romans 5, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, Adam being the type of one who was to come, that was going to be set free in Jesus. For the law brings wrath, Romans 4, But where there is no law there is no transgression. Okay, do you see that? So there was death following sin, but there was no accountability. Then Moses came. Romans 5, it says, Now the law came to increase the trespass. It came to amplify how sinful we really are. But where sin increased, grace abounded even more. Isn't that amazing that our Father, from the beginning of the world, He had a desire to set us free from this very terrible thing, called sin. And so he just, his grace was, he, he looked over former sins of people that went before, uh, before um, because he's just so gracious. you know. He wants to come and his right is to just wipe out, but he's like, he takes mercy and he takes grace because he knows he's also going to be providing this beautiful solution to destroy this thing once and forever through Jesus. So now, between law and, coming in and Jesus, there is accountability because there's a law now okay so makes you think you can see what i'm getting to post the cross what happens is there accountability for sin if it has been dealt with completely you will experience death you will experience the the fruit of living in a sinful way but is it held against you if you received the gift, the free gift of Jesus on the cross. Or are you still trying to work for it through doing righteous things? That's what they were doing under the law. They couldn't do it because they were trying in their own strength to be more holy. Friends, the word holy in itself, is uh, it's an absolute I'm sort of holy. There's no such thing. The word doesn't allow for that. It's either holy or it's not. Jesus' sacrifice, the Son of God's sacrifice, was either good enough or it wasn't. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Isn't that amazing? How blessed are you? Friends, this is good news. How blessed are you? that the Lord will not count your sin against you because he sees the blood of Jesus and what that's done for you. It is such good news. There There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not a bumper sticker. There's no condemnation. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ, From the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. It's been fulfilled in you through Jesus, the righteous requirement of the law, 100%. No claim, no guilt, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Even yourself, the charge that you bring against yourself. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interce- indeed is interceding for us friends this is very very good news that you can finally be free of sin that you were born in this era that you that you can be completely free of sin nothing held against you so the big question why do i still sin i'm going to propose just a few things quickly one Perhaps because you think you are a sinner. A dirty, rotten sinner that comes to God time after time for forgiveness. Time after time for forgiveness. It's what they used to do in the Old Covenant. We don't have to do that anymore. Jesus' blood was enough. It paid the full price. And so if that's what you believe, like I said earlier about yourself... That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you believe about yourself, what you believe about him is everything because that's the place that you act from. Another potential um, answer to this is that, friends, when you got saved, you didn't get a frontal lobotomy. Okay, You still have the same brain with the same memories from birth to whatever you've been through, all the traumas, all the difficulties, all the and everything that you've been through. You've still got that same brain and with science now we know that the brain has neural pathways, they're like these well-worn tracks through a felt, and so our thoughts and our actions and everything, they take the path of least resistance and they go down those paths. And so with that, in, that understanding is that, oh, I've been made completely holy, what has to happen? What does the word say? There needs to be a transforming of our minds. Uh, and so, possibly, if you are still sinning, if you've agreed with everything that I've said before, is that perhaps not you, you're not putting yourself in a place where you're allowing the transformation of your mind. You're just carrying on with day to day life as the world goes about it, believing that you, are, that you are free. But you're not placing, you're not reading the word, you're not di- diving into the scriptures, you've maybe not, you know, the things that the word speaks to us about how our minds are actually transformed. Um, it says in, let me read this, um, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a as living sacrifice. I, I love that. We're not dead sacrifices. We're not keep, keeping on dying and being these dead sacrifices. That's what sacrifice was in the Old Covenant. We're a living sacrifice. That means we got out of that grave. The sacrifice has been paid and now we're living. So from that place, Um, It says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Don't try and be more holy. You are holy. We just have to present ourselves as these new creations before him and live in his joy. And do you see what I mean? Sin is left behind. Doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to start sinning more. No, no. It's got no more hold on me. I'm free. And so you live in that place of living on the other side of the cross, free. And we can actually get on with what we call to be doing as opposed to bogged down um, in the Old Testament. It says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is, good, what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That's Romans 12. We need our minds to be transformed in that space, friends. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. This is talking about a, a holy new creation, okay? you're you, On the other side of the cross, you're completely new and holy. If you've got your mind fixed on the things of the flesh, you will live according to it. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death. You will experience death if you've got your thoughts and your minds on those things. But the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Friends, on this side of the cross, it's not about shadow boxing and fighting off an old sinful nature. It's about engaging with the Spirit. It's all about living life in the Spirit, and what does that look like, and getting to know Him, and being led by Him, and being transformed by the way you think, and like, I used to think like this. And then we get an invitation to repent, which means change your mindset, go back to the penthouse of the way he thinks, like, oh, yeah, sorry, I used to believe that I'm there, but I'm I'm doing this as a completely free person out of uh, with no sin hanging on to me. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives inside of you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and He does, friends, if you've accepted the gift of salvation, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. Isn't that amazing? That literally... Even the, the the unredeemed part of us, the part that's going to perish, our meat tent, even the spirit, as we follow Him and we submit to Him on this side of the cross, brings life even to our mortal bodies. So we can pray for healing. Why we can expect to to you know live a healthy, good life, looking after this temple, um, because we are free in Him. So now you might. Uh, agreed with everything i said you know and it's like yeah yeah i get it and that but there's a difference between hearing something and actually receiving it as revelation where we get to where we live that okay and that is put to test by life what you experience in our everyday life pre this meeting when we got you and we couldn't get the screen to work and whatever whatever life's challenges are throwing it at you you know, that's where what we believe and what we think is being uh, tested and how we get transformed as we put this into action. And so I just want you to close your eyes for a minute, just as I, as I come to a close. And I want you to consider where you see yourself on those three slides that I had at the beginning. Okay. And then what I'm going to do is if you're still stuck in a um, can I say in that middle section where you are you still believe, no, no, I'm a sinner, but God keeps on forgiving me over and over. I want to just describe um, how you might um, yeah how, just how you might be thinking. so i'm going to read out some descriptions of the way you who you are or the maybe some of the way you think. And if you identify with any of these, it's not by no means exhaustive, but if you identify with these, I'm trusting that the Lord is going to be able to bring a freedom in these spaces. So if you're stuck, still thinking that you're a sinner, you might be thinking, when I'm good, I'm close to God. When I'm bad, I'm far. You feel condemnation, but you call it conviction. You're constantly heavy. You can't break free from sin. You're stuck in habits, habitual habits. Your spiritual life is like a roller coaster. You're far from him, then you're close to him. You have an overfocus on sanctification. You have intense religiosity disguised as passionate fervor. I'm not enough. I'm a bad Christian. I'm not as good a Christian as so-and-so. I'm judgmental because I feel so judged. I feel empty or maybe only half full. I feel separated from Jesus. Jesus is out there and I'm asking him to come closer. You feel like you're in the washing machine of life, stuck in this chaos focused on sin management instead of ruling and railing and bringing freedom to the people around us. I know it's right up here in my head to be led by the Holy Spirit, and I even say it, but I don't really know what it means practically. And friends, finally, the fruit of your life is not love, joy, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, self control. So I want to invite you, if this morning the Lord has shown you something, I want to invite you to repentance, not to somberness, but to this very good news that you have been set free. Friends, like I said, our repentance is us coming into alignment with the truth of what Jesus has done, what he thinks, what he's done for us. That's all it is. It's turning from the ways that we were going and turning to him and receiving this free gift. Let not the word free be an offense to you, because the cross is a stumbling block to many, because how can it be free when I've been working so hard for this thing all these years and the invitation to you today is stop stop working so hard might have been many years but let it not go on a day longer so friends I'm going to end there but I want to invite you in your hearts to respond Um, if the Lord has done something in you and you feel like hey we need to this is, this is not a once-off, you hear this in a preacher, and then that's, oh, great, I got it. It's actually, it's a, it's a process of having your mind transformed. And so I want to invite you to go and dig into the scriptures. Go and see through a new lens what you might have been missing, if you have been missing it before, that you can live also in a life of freedom, not in a life of licentiousness. And I trust that those that know me for a while in this room, if you look at my life, I'm preaching this stuff. It's not inviting me into just do what I want. It actually calls you to more. We actually get to get on with the job that he's called us to do. Not just foot off the pedal. It's like pull. It's because his grace is so powerfully working in me that we get to start with nothing holding us back. You know? And I have to wrestle through these things. I haven't got this fully yet. It's like, oh, as I go through this again, it's like, goosebumps Jesus you're good you've set me free why am I being like this come into my original nature there's freedom for you friends so come on a journey with that and I also want to invite you to talk let's talk about it because it's only through working through these things that something can actually become a revelation amen